Welcome to the Chronically Real Podcast. Real life, real talk. I'm your host, CMT Strong, and I'm here with my co-host, DO3. What's up? I just went to the gym again, of course. And of course, it was leg day. I didn't like it too much. Before we start, what was up with you uh, talking to that one guy? You sounded like you knew him his whole life or something like that. That's a new guy, too, a new employee at the gym. What I did was started practicing what I've been learning in a book called How to Win Friends by Dale Carnegie. And I practiced smiling and genuinely greeting people. Yeah, like He looked generally excited to see you. It was kind of weird. And I was like, I've never seen this dude before in my life. Me neither. You'd be surprised what a smile can do, being genuinely interested in people, talking to people. You can build strong relationships that way. It begins with a smile. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about victim mentality. We need to understand what that is. A victim mentality is an acquired personality trait. It means it's a learned or developed habit. It's a learned behavior. It's an acquired personality trait in which a person tends to recognize or consider themselves as a victim of the negative actions of others and to behave as if this were the case in the face of contrary evidence of such circumstances. The person believes that everyone's out against them. They're acting like they're in a movie, more or less, like they're James Bond. They live and they tell their stories as if something negative is always happening to them. People with this mindset hold strongly entrenched beliefs. And we remember what beliefs are. We talked about that last week on our show. It's something that they have faith in, they have confidence in, they build their their lives around this mindset. What does this mindset involve? Finger pointing. They blame. They don't personally have the problem. Everyone else does. For example, an individual with a victim mentality feels this way. If my friends cared more, I'd be fine. If my wife loved and respected me more, I'd be fine. Yeah, I don't know about that. It seems more of a personal issue. If my boss would just leave me alone and let me do my job, I'd be fine. If my kids would just behave, I'd be fine. And now blaming it on little kids. Fill in the blank. Whatever is making my life miserable. Person, place, or thing. A victim truly believes life is against them. A victim often presents himself as a victim. I see it on social media all the time, individuals talking about their bad childhood, the reason they're in the situation they are, the reason they feel the way they do is because of their bad childhood. It's because of their dysfunctional family they were raised in. They never had an opportunity for a good education. And these are things that I'm seeing on social media. Their job, it's always happening to them or they just have an unjust boss. Sounds like they're just blaming literally everything else besides themselves. Exactly. Their co-workers are out to get them. Everyone's conspiring against them at work. They often use the expression, office politics is against me. Everybody's against me. If they have a failed relationship, it's never their fault, and they had nothing to do with the breakup. It's like, I'm basically a trophy. Why don't people love me? If they don't have any money, if they're broke, it's someone else's fault. It's the unjust system. It's the unfair arrangement of the workforce. Negative things are always happening to them, and they will persist. That's their attitude. So we know what this is. We know what this victim mentality is, but... 
how do we deal with it? If you're an individual who has some of these traits, how do we begin to correct our thinking? Well, the first step is acknowledging or accepting that you do have this personality trait. And you know what the result is for accepting that you have a problem? With anything, it allows change. Then you become in control. You're not powerless anymore. You start taking responsibility for your life. Well, why do we say you're not powerless anymore? Think about the possibilities if you make a choice to change your mentality. Going back to our list, how about we say, instead if my friends cared more, I'd be fine. How about we start behaving like we're a friend? Give and take. What if we start becoming interested in people instead of just ourselves? What about if my wife loved and respected me more, I'd be fine? Well, how about you just step up and show concern, compassion, and consideration for your wife? I'm sure if you had that attitude, things would drastically change. What about if my boss would just leave me alone and let me do my job? I'd be fine. Well, guess what? Your boss's job is to boss you. That's their job. And the bottom line is, is they don't do it perfectly. They're learning too. They don't have everything covered just like you don't have everything covered. Yeah, unfortunately, no one's perfect. So what if you just listened to your boss, respected your boss, respect his position, and do what you can to make his job easier? And how do you think your life would be at work if you started behaving that way? If my kids would just behave, I'd be fine. Well, what if you're not a good parent? Think about that. Are you willing to take a hard look at yourself and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to improve as a parent. Maybe I need to educate myself on how to behave as a good parent. Yeah, like there's some parents out there that just honestly believe that them giving them food and giving them a roof over their head is... That's it. That's all they have to do. When that's just honestly the bare minimum, what mm. you're supposed to be doing as a parent. Yes, their emotional, their physical, and even their spiritual needs need to be addressed by the parent. What if you started doing that? Your kids start changing. And what if you started setting the example of being a good human? You know what? Your kids are going to follow suit. That's what kids do. They see, they do. Let's talk about some points that we're learning in a book. I found this very helpful and relevant to what we're discussing today. This is a book written by Susan Jeffers. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Dynamic techniques for turning fear, indecision, and anger into power, action, and love. Notice what she says. Taking responsibility means being aware of where and when you are not taking responsibility so that you can eventually change. You need to take note on potential things that you need to change about yourself then. We need to be aware of that. She goes on to say, It took me years before I realized that the place I played the victim role most often was with the men in my life. I remember many evenings of complaining for countless hours with my girlfriends about the grief the men in my life were causing me. So this was always just a pattern, her just complaining about whatever person she was with at the time? Mm-hmm. She says, those jerks, as I so self-righteously called them, were always doing something to take away my happiness. One was always late. 
One was incredibly stingy. One didn't make enough money. One loved to play golf too much. One wouldn't get a divorce. And so on. I was able to build up incredible anger and resentment about them. Hours and hours on the phone of, would you believe he actually? Naturally, my loyal friends shared my drama as I shared their upsets about their men. It was a moan and groan society. That's absolutely ridiculous. Especially, like, I just barely caught on. Said one of her uh, boyfriends wouldn't get a divorce. So I was like, what were you thinking in the first place? Can you see the issues she had in her life where she wasn't aware of taking responsibility? It goes on to say, We never seemed to tire of each other's stories. No wonder. We fed each other the martyrdom we were obviously enjoying. And we always got to be right. The payoff was that we didn't have to create our own happiness. We could simply blame men for not giving it to us. During this time, I was certain I was taking responsibility for my life. Just like my friend Mara, I was making a wonderful living. I had a great apartment. I was totally independent. But I wasn't taking responsibility for my life. I was still expecting the men in my life to make me happy. I finally learned there is really only one person in the world who can make me happy, and that is me. I'm glad that she was able to see the flaws in her thinking. Ironically, only through this realization was I able, for the first time, to have a wonderfully nurturing relationship. That's great. But we can see here where she wasn't taking responsibility. She complained about her relationships, blamed the men for the reason why she wasn't happy. But when she took responsibility, it was only then that she had a great relationship. Again, that book is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Highly recommend. Wonderful woman. Great book. Okay, DO3 is going to share a relevant video clip with our theme for today. Go ahead, DO3. All right, this video is entitled, No One is Coming to Save You. We're all adults physically, yet mentally, very few people have ever graduated childhood. And we still think that the more we whine, the more we complain, the more we throw a tantrum, whether it's in person, whether it's online, somehow someone's going to come and save us. No one's coming to save you. Trust me, no one cares if you succeed or if you fail. Your family will start helping you at first and caring about your sad little problems. And then after a while, you're going to start being labeled as that. Well, that's just Gary with the problems. Problem Gary. As the years go on, are they going to lose sleep over it? No, it's like it is what it is. Do you lose sleep over every homeless person you see in the street? No. Does it still break your heart? Yeah. Do you, do you like think about it all the time? No. You're like, this sucks but you slowly start living in denial. Your friends will do that. Your family will do that. Everyone you know will do that. That's the solution. Like, that's the end point of a victim. Interesting. Appreciate the point where he said, nobody cares. Isn't that true? Yeah, I mean, even compared it to seeing a homeless man on the street, it's heartbreaking, but happens all the time nowadays. And he said at first, yeah. Your loyal friends and your family, they'll care. But as time goes on, they're going to view you, oh, that's just who he is. And they're going to recognize, oh, this guy doesn't want to change. Uh, that's just Gary being Gary. There's Gary yep. over there. Look, kids, it's Uncle Gary. What did Gary do this time? Yep. He's not wrong. 
There's a lot of truth in that uh, that video. But then you get super successful and everything changes. Meme of the week. I loved this one. Okay, so let me try to paint a picture of this. All right, I have my eyes closed. So, <laughs> you have soldiers are standing on the top of a hill looking down at a, a bunch of dead bodies. This is a cartoon rendition. Okay, so I got to make them look crazy then. All right. Okay. Big noses. <laughs> they're standing at the top of the hill. They're looking down at the battlefield at these dead bodies. One of the soldiers asks the other soldier, how do we know if they're faking it or not? The other soldier yells, I have a chronic illness. Some of the ones who are supposed to be dead, they yell back, have you tried yoga? Oh, dear God. <laughs> Another one says, try essential oils. Another one goes, go vegan. Try exercise. <laughs> Someone just say, go vegan. <laughs> yep. That's crazy. And doesn't that ring true? We all get it. Unsolicited advice. Everyone has opinions. Everyone wants to put their two cents in, don't they? Why is this such a turnoff? Well, unsolicited advice encroaches on free will. We all have the right to self-determination. And when you give unwanted advice, you're intruding on that. Yeah. So how do you deal with somebody that gives you unsolicited advice? If it's a family or friend, you can say, I appreciate it, but I'm just trying to vent. Or you can say, what I really need from you is a listening ear. What if it's just a random person? You can say, that's an interesting opinion. Thank you. You're acknowledging their comment and you're telling them where they can go politely. That's how you can deal with unsolicited advice. One more part in our show for today. DO3 has a weird fact for us. So the first ever speeding ticket ever recorded, the guy was going four times over the speed limit. Do you really? happen to know what it was? What? Eight miles an hour. That was his speed? He was going four times the legal speed limit, eight miles an hour. He was in a vehicle? Yes. So I can walk faster than that, and I can't even walk good. Yeah. So the first person <laughs> convicted of speeding was going eight miles an hour. So according to the Guinness World Records, the first person to be charged with speeding was Walter Arnold of the English village of Paddock, Wood, Kent, on January 28, 1896. Arnold was spotted going four times the speed limit in his 19th century bends. But since the speed limit at the time was just two miles per hour, that meant he was not going too fast by today's standards. He was chased by an officer on a bicycle and was issued about 47 pounds. 47 pound fine? Yeah. wonder what that is. You 47 imagine? pounds. Well, I think in American dollars, that's maybe around like, I don't know, 50 bucks. $50 back in the 19th century? That's, wow, that's, that's a, a heavy money. fine. I mean, from their point of view, this guy was going like uh, Fast and Furious, Man. which is ridiculous because most people can run that on a treadmill pretty easily. Yeah, so he was going eight miles an hour and he was booking it. Do you think the officer in his mind, he was thinking like, I'm about to catch this crazy guy. Who knows what he has in his car? Dude, eight miles, that's like the car barely getting out of the driveway. All right, that's our show for today. We're going to take the next week off for the holiday season. I hope all of you stay safe. 